about a year ago on the internet, there was this thing happening. People were discussing a movie, and we believed it to be true. And I just want to just wonder by a show of hands, who remembers the movie by Sinbad where he played a genie? Yeah? Uh, it doesn't exist. Like, there's really not a movie with Sinbad. Like, and I, I raised my hand. Like, I would have been one of them. There's not a movie where Sinbad plays a genie. And this baffled me, and it sends you down this uh, rabbit trail. And the rabbit trail is called the Mandela Effect. There was a time, and this, this part, all right, so that, that worked with uh, my generation of people. Like, everybody else is just like, who's Sinbad? You know, only the greatest. But, uh, but there was a moment when people really genuinely thought Nelson Mandela had died. And this phenomenon, and he hadn't died, but they, like, for some reason, there was a collective memory of a group of people, and they all decided that Nelson Mandela had died. And it didn't happen yet. And this is one of those weird things when you get on the Internet, like, you're like, holy cow, you know. And, and I, I hesitate to, like, you know, start swapping conspiracy theories from the pulpit, uh, you know, because this is a great forum for that. Uh, but it's, I promise, it, it works into, uh, I think it works into what we're going to talk about today is uh, the world is filled with these mysteries. And one of them is just like, how do we have, like, you honestly held your hand. Like, I ask you guys to raise your hands for things all the time, and you were confident about that one. Right? You never raise your hand for anything else, other than if I ask you if you love Jesus, you're like, oh, I know the answer to that one. Anything else, but you felt confident. Oh, yeah, Sinbad was in a movie. I promise you, he wasn't. And he actually went on Twitter and he said, guys, the movie you're talking about didn't happen. And so I think we're living in, in like, a, you know, an alternate universe, uh, and we're, we pop in and out of it. That's what I think it is, right? Okay, sarcasm and joke. The world is filled with mysteries and wonder. And, you know, we were really blessed uh, through the month of December, and uh, and if you're, you know, like me, I drive my kids to the school, and then at that time, my trip back is always uh, uh, in the, uh, I'm looking to the east, and I get to see the sunrise. Well, in December, we were blessed with some of the most incredible sunrises every morning through the month of December. January's been kind of lousy, but uh, December was awesome. It was just like, holy cow, and every time, Every time you see a sunrise, you stop to appreciate it, right? It's like, oh man, look at that. Have you ever grown tired and weary of looking at a sunrise or a sunset? All of us are, are unique, but not really that unique, in that we all desire to discover and we all love the beauty of mystery. Now some of you aren't going to hear anything else other than the Mandela effect and you're going to go home and Google it for the next five days and discover the same things I do, that it's just weird and who knows. I don't know why we have those things. But we want to know and we want to discover these great mysteries. We want to, we want to understand the world in which we live. We want to know how things work and we want to know why good things happen or bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad. We want to discern and understand the world. And what I think Paul will do in today's text is point us to the most important thing that we could ever know. 
And it was a mystery that no one ever really understood. Until Jesus Christ came into the world and God himself became human flesh with a human heart. And he truly died and he truly was risen from the dead. That we really start to understand, when we understand this mystery of who God is and what he's done through Christ. That we find the greatest mystery and the greatest truth and the greatest thing that we could ever know. And so my heart for you this morning is that you would have a renewed passion to look at Christ and never stop looking at the mystery of who Christ is and what he's done. And just like every sunrise and every sunset, as you want to gaze at that and take it in in wonder and splendor and, and trust and just makes you feel good inside. I don't know what it is about a sunrise. But it would be true of you to look at Christ and examine him and reflect on him and fix your heart on him that you would have a renewed hope and trust in Christ. That he's worth looking to every day. And so our text this morning is uh, in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, and we're going to pick up kind of off of last week where we ended and just continue the thought. And so in verse 23 of chapter 1, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel... This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And your translation might say a minister. But Paul is captivated by Christ and this gospel. And he says, I have been commissioned for this, and now I am a servant of this gospel. And says thou in our text this morning, in verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I will fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard for Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. This isn't the heart of what I want to share this morning, but I think Paul is getting at something that it's important to sit and sort of reflect on. Paul is willingly suffering for the church. And it's not like some foreign concept to him like, this is a part of what it means for him to follow Christ. He says, I, it's not just, hey, I'm a willing per- participant. What does the text say? He rejoices in suffering. He rejoices in it. I don't know what kind of screws have to be loose for you to start rejoicing in suffering. It's like, oh, gee, that hurts. You know, give me more, right? Like, right? This, is, this is foreign to us because culturally, if something is wrong, you have to make it right. If something is difficult, you have to figure out how to make it easier. If your factory's not running efficiently, you do all of these things to make it run more efficiently. If you, got, if you have the flu, you know, you go to the doctor. Like, I never heard of going to the doctor for the flu, but now we go to the doctor if you have the flu. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. I don't. I'm a real man, right? That's bad counsel. You know, Mandela effect, bad counsel. I, there's more of that today, I'm sure. But we have all, when something goes wrong, then we automatically assume that it has to be fixed because the worst thing that could happen in the American culture is for you to have difficulty. Your internet went out. Oh, crap. Man, what are you going to do? Read? I don't know. Like the, the electricity goes out with my children. Every once in a while, this is a secret, okay? Every once in a while, I go to the back 
and I just, I just pull the trigger, guys, and I just shut the whole thing down. And the kids are like, Dad, the power's out. You know, they're, you know they're, they have to figure life out. It's a really great thing to do for your kids. Just shut the power off. It drives them crazy. Something's wrong. You have to fix it. And you know this is true, and you laugh about it, and it, but it's a real indictment on us that we don't know how to suffer and we don't know how to suffer well and we certainly don't know how to rejoice in it the way Paul does. And so I have to ask an investigative question. Why does Paul believe that there is suffering associated with his Christianity? Because if you were to take popular culture Christianity and say, is there suffering involved with your Christianity? You would say, no, God wants me to have my very best life right now. And he doesn't want me to have any suffering or sadness. He wants me to be happy. and he wants, me to, he wants me to feel good about myself. And I wonder, is that what Jesus actually taught? And if you start investigating what Jesus believed about suffering, he says, if you are going to follow me, it's not going to be easy. The world is going to hate you because it's hated me. The world is going to reject you because the world has rejected me. And if you're going to follow me, the way you're going to follow me is if you take up your cross and you do the very same thing. And I sit back and my lazy boy and I think, gee golly, God, I don't know that I really want to do that. So this isn't me harping against you. I think God needs to shut down the power on my life every once in a while and make me feel uncomfortable and realize that I am following Christ. And that there's a lot of things that are leading me away from experiencing difficulty. That if I would insulate my life, my life enough that I would be protected from anything that might hurt it. Insulate it from having conversations with people that really need to hear about the grace and love of Jesus Christ and be willing to be rejected because I think something about who Jesus is. And this friend or coworker, whatever's going on in your life, or a family member who needs to know who Christ is and be willing to say, you know what? God loves you. And whatever, whatever the response is, be willing to embrace it and know that there might be hard conversations, there might be difficulty, but whatever that suffering might be, how can Paul be so confident and rejoice in suffering? And for him, I think he truly believes that in his suffering and in taking on the suffering and the persecution and being in prison and being beaten and being all of these things that he has faced draw him ever closer and closer to who Christ is and what he's done. I don't know if this is a real exciting discipleship plan, you know, one that we could advertise and promote and say, you know, 101 class is learning how to get your neighbors to hate you. I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I can give you a point or two. I break into their houses. But uh, that's going to never die, honey. I'm sorry. I shared it again the other day, and she said my story of breaking into my neighbor's house, and she, uh, she got up and left. Like, she's so tired of hearing this story. She's nodding. She's making faces, guys. Um, where was I at? Okay. But, the, uh, but talking about discipleship, in a way that's genuine and faithful to Scripture, is inviting you to deny yourself and to pursue Christ. 
and anyone who's telling you otherwise isn't reading their Bible. Because everywhere you look in the New Testament are people who are willing to embrace suffering for the sake of Christ. The book of Revelation is written to people who are suffering for the sake of Christ, and they're saying, hang on and hold on and don't give up and keep loving and keep pursuing and keep staying faithful because the world is going to reject you and the world is going to do all it can to stifle your faith, but don't let it. Because Christ suffered. The world rejected him. But there is one who hasn't rejected him, and it's God, and he welcomes him, and he seats him at the right hand of God. And God is not going to reject those who have accepted Christ. Paul says he rejoices in suffering. Peter says in 1 Peter that, you know, don't be surprised when you face suffering. It's okay. And Paul says all over the place, going to experience suffering and it's okay Paul tells us here I'm rejoicing in it I'm rejoicing but it's still a question of why for the sake of his body which is the church and it says in verse 25 I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generation but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you and the hope of glory. He is the one that we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. Namely, it's Christ in whom all hidden uh, are all I'm, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are, and how firm your faith is in Christ. There's a mystery. And Paul is telling the congregation in Colossae, there's this mystery that's been out there all of this time. And this great and glorious mystery is, is that this Christ who he just glorified, if we go back to 115 and we read the hymn and we see this Christ who is seated at the right hand of God, the one who is there from the beginning, who is holding all things together. He wants to tell them this great mystery. And this great mystery is, is that this glorified Jesus Christ is also Christ in you. This is Christ in you. And the glorious majesty of Jesus Christ He is also alive in you in His Spirit. 
there are a lot of mysteries in our world. Things that we are going to try and figure out. The church in Colossae, they were dealing with that. They were dealing with, I, 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 I'm going to make it maybe a little too much, uh, a little over the top, but dealing with sort of super Christians. The people who have it all figured out, and they have a special understanding about God. We know who they are. I'm probably in the midst. I don't want to be, but who have this knowledge and who have this special understanding that they know things that you don't know. I suppose if I asked you to raise your hands again on this one I, and I asked you, do you feel like you have it all figured out about how to follow Jesus? I'd imagine we'll just pretend that you would all raise your hand and you would agree that you don't have it all figured out. And if I were to ask you, are there people in your life you've who you feel like have a, a special understanding or have a special connection with God, who know something about God that you really quite haven't figured out yet. Would you say that there's someone like that in your life? Maybe someone you're a little bit jealous of, or like, what do they know that I don't know? I love Mason's communion message. Let's make it simple. You know, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Or keep it stupid simple. Yeah, that's my sermons. Keep it stupid simple. Here it is. Christ is in you and he loves you. This great and incredible mystery that has mystified people from generation to generation is now available to this congregation. And you don't need to have special people of special understanding who have all of these extra requisites as to how you might follow Jesus. And Paul is saying you have it in you. The glorious majesty of Christ is in you. You have His Spirit. And this mystery is something that we should reflect on. And what Paul's going to do is, he's, what he's doing is he's giving us like, here's the big picture of things. And the rest of the story is going to be, okay, now what? But in the midst of it, I think we really need to wrap our hearts around Christ inside of each and every one of us. Have you really taken the time to reflect on this most simple but great mystery? That Christ is in you and he loves you. That he died on the cross for you and he rose from the dead. And he's seated at the right hand of God. This Christ is in you. And he gave his life for you. It's this mystery that should captivate our hearts and lead us every day. I still haven't asked or answered this uh, question about Paul rejoicing in suffering. And maybe it's a bit of a leap. I find it interesting that Paul opens with what he does in verse 115 in the supremacy of Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things are created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Paul is enduring suffering as he is writing these words. Paul is rejoicing in his suffering. The last time in your life, and maybe you're going through it right now, but the last time you had a really difficult time and you really experienced hurt or heartache, did you begin to question whether or not God cared for you? Did you wonder where God was or what God was up to? Did it lead you to question in the sovereignty of God? 
that God actually does hold all things together. And here's where I want to get in my life and in my walk with God, and I want to follow Paul in this way. That in the midst of suffering, it doesn't lead Paul to question the sovereignty of God. It causes him to celebrate it. When we enter into suffering, when we enter into heartache, when we enter into those difficult moments in our walk with God, it's not a moment to think that God doesn't care for us. It's a moment to reflect on His majesty over every situation, knowing that He does truly hold all things together. And let it build courage in our hearts to say we can endure and we can walk not because we are so strong or that we have it all together or that we know how to do it best but because the one who all holds all things together is also the one who is alive in you it's christ in you and it's this great mystery that we should never just pass over but to look at every day because it's more glorious than any sunrise or sunset you would ever see. It's Christ in you who died for you and loves you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we, we know that on our own we don't have enough strength. And we know that we live in a comfortable world. So often wrapped and surrounding and insulating ourselves with luxuries uh, that quite a few in our world know nothing about. But God, I don't dismiss the struggles we face every day. Struggles when our family is sick. Struggles when we can't afford uh, the heating bill. When cars break down. When our lives break down. But God, help us to hear from you. To turn to you. God, this great mystery that's been hidden is now revealed to us that you are with us, that you've rescued and saved us, that we can have a life with you. Lord, that we would know that your spirit is guiding and available for us to listen, available to guide us and lead us to where you want us to be. God, we pray for courage for the sake of the gospel, to be ministers of the gospel. And following the steps of Paul to share the good news, no matter the consequences. God, we may not be ready to rejoice in suffering. May you just lead us to a moment where we could thank you for all the hardship and all the heartache and all of the things that we now see you and have seen your faithfulness and your love at work in our lives. So Lord, minister to our hearts. Let us be faithful and courageous and kind and generous and compassionate. 
us be a people who love no matter its consequences, no matter how hard it hurts. God, heal us from compassion, fatigue. Heal us from our sadness and brokenness and hurt. Unite us in our love. Unite us in your son, Jesus, that we may walk faithfully together. Lord, love and lead your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, and he invites us to do the same. Stand and sing with us together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Thank you. 